Well, welcome back to another episode of Out of Curiosity. I am Garland, joined by... Cameron. Interesting choice there. <laughs> we, we really get out of the gate slow Pe- on this, this people, season of Out of Curiosity. <laughs> people always, they read, they read my name and they assume that it's Cameron. But, no, it's Cameron, but, but it's actually Cameron. This is how your mom Ren always is, said it. Yeah, it's, yeah. That's the it's old the proper German way. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> well, we're, we're off and running then on another episode. And uh, this episode uh, is, you know, I, I would say a lighter topic, but that depends on, I guess, your pets you've had, the dogs you've had. I'll, I'll make it really personal. Um, the, the, well, the, I guess I'll stay with the, the question is, do dogs go to heaven? Uh, and we could obviously broaden that. You know, you may be a, a cat person <laughs> or maybe you had a, a horse or something growing up that was like a beloved pet. An ant um, colony. So, yeah, I, that, that's a whole other question. <laughs> My son currently has a leopard gecko, and uh, he asked me regularly, Don't, do you love him? And I always go, he's all right. Because I don't want to lie to my son, but, but I don't love him. Uh, so I don't love this thing. It doesn't do anything for me. It's just a, it's a reptile, cold-blooded animal. Uh, son, we, so, we have him, and that's enough. Yeah, he's here. We have him. Uh, we feed him. So uh, it kind of creeps me out. Um, make it, to make it personal, um, so we had uh, my wife and I over the summer. So uh, we're recording this at least in late October. Over the summer, we had two dogs that we've had since uh, before we had our kids. So uh, they were 14 and 13 years old. And just like the end of the movie, The Notebook, um, they they ended up passing away. We had to put them put them both down uh, over this last summer. And uh, wow. I, I had friends of mine that had told me, you know, oh, you're going to be sad. They'd kind of gone through the experience. And uh, I was like, oh, no, it's just a dog. Like, these are dogs. No big deal. And I found myself in there, and it really got me. Like, I was more upset than I thought I would be. And I tried to be tough about it. You know, I did, like, the southern male thing where, you know, I was like, you know, yep. It's, it's all right. Like, it's, it's fine. Um, but I had to, like, take a moment. Uh, and it, and it, it, it was sadder than I thought it would be. And it actually produced this kind of a question. And, uh, you know, it's a question that I know, you know, a lot of kids ask. Um, and so just because kids ask it, we ask it, we love our pets, uh, how would we go about, um, you know, answering a question like that? And I think it actually may, may uh, take us to a couple of really interesting places. So, uh, Cameron, where are we going here? Yeah, I have two old dogs. Mine are 15 and 13. Uh, the 13-year-old dog was our first dog, my first dog I've ever had. We got it shortly after we got married, and then we adopted an older dog after. But they're they're kind of in that, like, sad, old, like, things are starting to decline. Uh, right. We've had them longer than we've had children, and my, my kids have known them, my two kids, as long as we've been a family. And so we are on the cusp of... We can just see that, that deep sadness coming um, <laughs> as well. But maybe I would start by saying it, it's easy to dismiss a question like this. And obviously, you know, even the way we framed it, do dogs go to heaven is kind of a silly tongue-in-cheek thing. Um, and I'm sure there are going to be silly things said during this podcast. But I do want to make a point that, like, our relationships with animals are dignified in and by the Bible. Um, and I don't know if everyone's aware of that. But, I mean, you go all the way back to the the initial creation account. The, the picture we have is just God... God's just lavish love and his his pleasure and his delight in all that he's made, including including the animal world. And his task given to hum- humanity is to lovingly steward and care for these things, including the animals. And even in this depiction of Adam aiming the nan- animals, it's just we, we just have this really like, in my opinion, sweet kind of like dignified picture of uh, how we're meant to relate to animals. And so 
I think sometimes you can get a little bit of a, you can hear a little bit of a like, ah, who cares about the animals? They're, they're, they're viewed in like purely utilitarian terms. And I just don't think that's quite warranted. Um, a story that I come back to quite a bit is in, is in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. So after David has committed like one of his most horrific acts, um, there I just want to, I won't get into it just for the sake of brevity, but uh, the Lord sent Nathan's prophet to David. And, and here's what it says. When he came to him, Nathan said, there were two men in a certain town, one rich, the other poor. The rich man <clears throat> had a very large number of sheep and cattle, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb he had bought. He raised it. And it grew up with him and his children. It shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. It was like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man. The rich man refrained from uh, taking one of his own sheep or cattle to prepare a meal for the traveler who'd come to him. Instead, he took the ewe lamb that belonged to the poor man and prepared it for the one who'd come to him. David burned with anger. So David hears this story and David gets angry, burns with anger against the man and said to Nathan, as surely as the Lord lives, the man who did this must die. He must pay for that lamb four times over because he did such a thing and had no pity. So here's God inspiring prophecy to David using this illustrative story of like this really beautiful, sweet little relationship this man had with this pet lamb um, to stir up like conviction in David over what he had done. And so I've, I've always just found that a sweet story. And I think just another piece of evidence, like, yeah, even like these domesticated you know, house pet relationships that we have with our dogs. There's even like, that. Yeah, the biblical author's like, yeah, we get it. Like there can be these really special bonds that form. So we don't have to dismiss this question out of hand as just like overly sentimental or whatever. Like if you've had relationships with animals, um, like these, you could almost call them friendships. I don't want to overstate it, but like um, the Bible acknowledges that. And I think it's a, it's a beautiful, cool thing. It's a gift that God has given us. So that's why it becomes like an emotionally resonant question. Yeah, and it is, it, you know, it is because, you know, a lot, of Amer a lot of people in the modern world, we do love our pets and we do, you know, spend a lot of our life with them. And I do think it's also important, the reality is all three of my kids asked me this question and they yeah. all wanted an answer. And yeah. I, I want to, as, as their dad and somebody who, you know, wants to uh, give them a picture of who God is and how we fit in God's good world, uh, I had to give them an answer. And so yeah. while it while while we can dismiss it while this could seem like like you said almost like a silly episode uh, that's a that's a really important answer that I give my kids actually it's their for my kids at least one of their first interactions with death was something that was close to them um that's that's and that's by the way an amazing blessing that many of us have that uh that we don't you know we don't experience death uh, and yeah. for those of us that have kids that are my kids' age to not have had somebody close to them uh, pass away yet, that's, that's a blessing that we should all, that I should at least uh, be really grateful for. But think about it. The way you answer that question it actually does say a lot about God, his world, where things are headed. And so, yeah, it, in that sense, it's a really, really big deal how I answered that question. And I <laughs> found myself wrestling with how I answered it. So um, you can tell me now, did I answer it correctly or not? And uh, right. give me direction we'll, we'll, we'll retroactively for how I talk to my kids. And it sounds like you're headed here soon with yours, yep. with your old dog. So yep. uh, you steer us in the right direction on answering a question like this. Yeah. Well, I, I want to talk about it in three parts. Part one is I just want to talk about what is heaven? We need to define our terms a little bit because, um, I don't know, I would assume, uh, I'm assuming most of the people that listen to this podcast uh, are, are probably a part of our church's or adjacent to people in our churches. And I'm assuming they don't 
that like they've heard some of these concepts before and have decent teaching about what heaven is. But I always like to kind of clear some debris first because you never know with three bad views. And if you have other bad views that you're familiar with, throw them in there. But first is you. a lot of people hear the word heaven and they think of one, like angel babies floating on clouds with harps because there's yes. so much so much bad art of like uh, this kind of depiction. Like so, for some reason, there's like this depiction of everyone in heaven suddenly turns into an angel, which I don't know where that comes from, A. B, they revert to infancy, <laughs> and yet in their infancy, in their infancy, they have incredible dexterity to play harps. Uh, also, mass is With weird. With wings, yeah. They have wings. Mass is weird because they're on clouds. Uh, anyway, if you stop and break down, and I, of course, know that that's not a liter- meant to be a literalistic view by, by these artists, but but nonetheless, that's this thing that's people like creeped, that. into our, creeped into our imagination. Um, Can I also so, mention, if that is what heaven is like, and it is how I think of it, people picture it that sounds not only awful but that's terrifying that's a horrifically I don't scary want, I don't picture like that's like a halloween like it's like a scary thing to walk into um okay i'm thinking uh, i yes. want to photoshop one of those images and put nicholas cage's face on each of the things <laughs> that makes it better actually <laughs> makes it a little better okay yeah obligatory nicholas cage reference check for this episode i've definitely i um, definitely hear people describe heaven that way uh, uh i can imagine other bad ones would be i'm trying to think of what what I would think, or what I hear people, uh, some kind of a smoky, cla- like a quasi-mystical smoke existence. Yeah, everything's like translucent. Yeah, yeah. I, I call that like disembodied spiritual realm, where like you're just okay, pure, yeah. you're pure soul, you're see-through. <laughs> You can't hold anything. If you try to like pick up a book, your hands just like go through it. Um, you're kind of floating off into the ether. You're very, very serious. Um, yeah, I, I think I, and maybe that's again overstated, but I do think there's this idea that oh, heaven is so transcendently other and spiritual, and like we just can't conceptualize it in any meaningful way, and it kind of devolves into this just like materialless blob of stoicism Emotion. and yeah i don't know yeah it's very bizarre uh, warm I think, feelings yeah if that maybe cold feelings who knows yeah. um which leads me to the third one which is the idea of heaven as the endless mass uh and by that i mean <laughs> like a forever worship service yeah no no shade on our uh, our catholic brothers and sisters but this idea of of like this very like you know it's a worship service you're sitting there, and maybe it's really exhilarating for the first hour, first ten hours, first hundred hours, first <laughs> like a thousand big, huge hours. Arena. But yeah. you're there for eternity, man. And you're like, we all imagine, like, am I really just going to be worshiping forever? Now, I don't want to denigrate the concept of worship. Worship should, of course, fill us with joy and excitement. We are meant to worship our God. But I think when we start to think about heaven as endless unending worship service with like an angel with a ruler like whipping us you know if we, if we start to <laughs> our hands get tired and start to fall uh it's like they're like smile you're supposed to be happy here um anxiety for many of us comes into the picture with what is conception. also the part of that i think is uh and I, I i have definitely that's probably the one i fall into the most uh thinking of you know heaven as something like that and it's even worse because i do imagine you know almost like like cowboy stadium you know like but bigger you know so it's got to be bigger to hold all the all the christians it's got to be at least uh, three times as big as cowboy that yeah maybe three times that size uh but then it's got a big jumbotron like the 40 foot you know the the 40 yard screen and what happens is 
they take breaks in the worship service every, you know, 100 years or so or every every 10 minutes. And they call they call every individual down. I don't know where this seeps in, but I've heard other people say the same thing. You everybody gets a turn getting called to the floor, and then they show on the jumbotron all of your oh, life yeah, and all this. of the bad things you do and all the good things, and especially all the good things you did with the wrong motives, and all of it is called to the carpet. And as you sob in a puddled mess, you look up at the resurrected Jesus, filled filled with guilt and shame, and he looks at you with this sort of uh, disappointed face, but looks at you and says, "Well, I guess I died for you, so get back in your seat. We saw your skirt, we saw your footage, but get yeah. back up there. Let's worship some more." I um, think I I think I taught this view. To uh, my uh, community community group kids, small group kids that I led, and then I w- was like, I need to verify this, and so I did a, a word search in the in the Greek for jumbotron and couldn't find it. <laughs> well, it didn't exist in there. Um, so if those are the bad views. Uh, if that's like probably all bad depictions of heaven, obviously each one of those are caricatures, but I do think that's what people sort of go to in their mind, give us a picture then, because you know, we're, we're, we're defining our terms, do dogs, do pets go to, quote, heaven. So what is, what is our heaven going to be yeah. like? Well, we get uh, our clearest picture of it, and uh, you know, it's seated all throughout the Bible, but if you go to the very last two chapters of your Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, um, you get this picture of what is called the new heavens and the new earth. And the idea is, you've probably heard this as the the recreated creation, uh, renewed creation, resurrected creation. It's a new, has some amount of continuity with what came before and some amount of newness um, with what came before. But the idea, I'll just read the first few verses of Revelation 21. John says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And then it goes on to further description of this great city and uh, the river of life flowing through the city and the tree of life. And it's this, there's this depiction of like hustle and bustle with the giant city and its gates are never closed. So you have this picture of people coming and going. There's activity. And I suppose my point is the language of heaven kind of short circuits the biblical view. The final home is a new heavens and the new earth. And the idea is the heavens, God's space, Uh, coming down and uniting with a recreated earth, humanity space, where there is once again no longer separation but a unity. So these, we live in a world now where there's these two separated spaces made necessary by the fall and sin and so forth. But there's a reunion, a remarriage, Mm -hmm. if you will. Um, It's basically what Eden was. The Garden of Eden was was this. If you pull Uh, up... The tabernacle, the temple in the Old Testament was supposed to be this. Yeah. If you pull your last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22... You should do this sometime if you, if you never have, Pr- like print them out even, and then pull up chapters one and two of the Bible, Genesis one and two, and you s- read them side by side. You will just see, you will see more parallel, as, mu- as many parallels as you have time to see and discipline to see. It is nuts. So the idea, yes, is that this is the Eden project with the whole story of the fall and sin and the net need for Jesus to incarnate and come and redeem and rescue us. It's like the, the project gets picked back up and now the garden of Eden is there again with the tree and the river. But now there's this giant city, like there's so many people and their goods coming in and out. And it's, so my point is it's not floaty. 
it's not <laughs> it's not otherworldly in the sense of like man it's the it's real physical creation it's a resurrection life um real genuine life and probably much of what we think of i assume things like jobs and i assume things like eating meals together and like re, like if i could boil it down to one phrase i would just say whatever wherever your view of heaven contradicts an idea of real embodied life you've probably got something wrong mm-hmm. um and so the, the the amazing thing is just like the garden god walking with them in the cool of the day here the point of emphasis is god is with his people again um heaven has come down to earth and then we go forward together into eternity and the possibilities are endless you know that's a incredible picture and when you think about the continuity with the current world, uh, obviously there will be some discontinuity. When you think about the continuity, I, I get why you're taking us here. Obviously, we have to define the terms. And we did an episode uh, uh, a, a couple of seasons back on what happens when I die. Mm. And uh, and you can go back and listen to that episode. It, 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 it gives you insight into what I think when we often think about, quote unquote, heaven, what we really should call that is what theologians call intermediate heaven. Or uh, we might say... Uh, the place we go before the resurrection. Um, And so uh, the Bible actually doesn't speak much to it. There's a couple of places Jesus will speak to it. Uh, To the thief, he says, you'll be with me. And Paul will say to depart and be with Christ, to be with Christ. But it doesn't doesn't give us much more insight. What the Bible seems really concerned with is this recreated, you call it the Eden Project. And if you're listening to this episode and you began with floaty cloud thing, and then you come to a question like, okay, what about my, what about an animal? You're, you're kind of maybe starting in the wrong, the wrong place because you're defined that you've defined the terms poorly. What the Bible's interested in is the refashioned, restored, recreated physical thing that he's made. And as you talked about at the beginning, that included mountains and rivers and animals and uh, our relationships with people and food. And that's actually really amazing. Okay. So you've helped us understand heaven if yeah. we get that picture squared away correctly, all right, what about dogs then? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so first, what's heaven? Second, what about animals in general? Let's just start there. So do we have any reason to think that animals will be in heaven? And and I, we've already kind of tipped our hand. Um, if, if we assume that Genesis 1 and 2 is kind of the chief reference point for new creation, which it sure seems to be for the final new heavens and new earth, uh, then, of course, animals were there in creation. They were part of God's good design. Um, he delighted to make them. He declare, declared them good. Um, so we assume animals will be back and present in the new creation as well, um, and that the relationship with humans will be uh, as peaceful and as beautiful as it was before the fall. Um, a, a passage I think is really fascinating on this as well comes in Isaiah, and there's a couple other references in Isaiah to this idea as well. But in Isaiah 11, uh, I'll just read this, verses 6 through 9. This is kind of an image. Uh, it's, it's you know, we, have, we, we can put the pieces together this side of the cross in the New Testament, but it's an image of what life is going to be like when the heir of David um, reigns in full. So we, of course, know that heir of David to be Jesus. And the idea of him reigning in full, I think we can safely attach to the new creation when he is there on the throne uh, reigning fully. So here we go. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat and the calf and the lion and the fattened calf together. And listen to this. And a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall graze and their young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. 
The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. That is nuts. And the weaned child shall put, shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I want to be clear. This, I mean, when you read, uh, certainly in Revelation and here in the prophet Isaiah, there's a lot, this is, there's lots of use of symbol. Um, symbol, yeah. Yes. So we're not meant to take this as a purely literal picture. The, I think the heart of this image is danger is gone. Danger is gone. It's so safe and peaceful that a child, the image is like, even if a child put his hand down in a snake pit, he would be safe. There would be nothing to fear. Mm-hmm. So that's the core, the core idea. But nonetheless, I do think it, there's continuity with the idea of, we've already said, um, early creation, harmonious relationship between humans and animals. Now when we get this prophetic image of what life is going to be like when the king reigns, wouldn't you know it? Animals and humans once again dwelling in this perfect harmony with no fear of danger. And so um, how far we can press this literally, I'm not exactly sure. Um, but the point is there's peace beyond imagination, even between mm-hmm. the humans and the animals. I, I, th- I think there's probably a core in there we can mm-hmm. assume mm-hmm. we can kind of take to the bank. Um, so yeah, between just what we know of the first creation state, Genesis 1 and 2, the continuity in the final new creation state, and then little passages like this that kind of give us, I think, seems to me, yes, animals will be present. We'll have a wonderful relationship with them as we did before the fall. And I have to assume that that includes dogs. Why wouldn't it include dogs? Why wouldn't it include all types of animals? It may not include leopard geckos. I would that prefer re- that. That remains to be seen. Uh, <laughs> they're scary little things. Um, okay, so... All right, you've given me, you know, it's all great. I'm feeling good. There you go. You gave me some cool things to think about. But now I want, you know, what I really want to know is my dog's name was Bosco. All right? I knew Bosco. George George Costanza's ATM passcode. And our other dog was Bosco. I never knew that. Wow. Yep. The other one is Lucy, which was named after Lucille Bluth from Arrested Development. Oh, great. Um, You guys love sitcoms. So Bosco, we are a sitcom family. My dogs were Bosco and Lucy, and they're gone. What about them two? Yeah, there we go. That's and that's where it's all headed, isn't it? I don't care about all the the first twenty <laughs> minutes. Yeah, that's all great and all, and I'm I'm obviously joking. We need that as setup. Yep. But uh, uh, my kids want to know about Bosco. Yeah, here's what I'd say. Um, here's I think what I will say to my kids, um, and unless their tears overwhelm me and I I compromise my <laughs> principles uh, in the that's what moment. I did. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> I think what we have to say is we don't know. There's there's not um, any sort of chapter and verse we can go to to say, yes, in your beloved pet, you will be reunited with in the new heavens and the new earth. Um, we can assume there will be animals, but we don't know if our animals will be there. Um, yeah, the, the, the promises of redemption that are given to, to the new covenant humanity the, through Jesus we don't see much about that <laughs> and its effect right. on, 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 on animals in particular. Um, but I would say this. I do think you have to couch this answer in this idea that God is very good and he's very generous and he's very gracious. And I think what we're meant to assume about the new creation is that the, the blessings of life in that new creation are going to just be full of surprising amounts of goodness. Uh, I, I read a quote uh, one time. I, I re-looked it up uh, in preparation for this, but uh, Joni Erickson, ta-da, she said, 
I think she puts this sentiment really well. She says, if God brings our pets back to life, it wouldn't surprise me. It would be just like him. It would be totally in keeping with his generous character, exorbitant, excessive, extravagant in grace after grace. And I think that's where I would want to land this. Like God is just super gracious. He dignifies, we've already established, he dignifies our relationships with our animals. So it would not be surprising if he gave us relationship again with these animals that we'd lost. If that was part of the process of him wiping every tear from our eyes. Now, we can't say that with any certainty. I, I, uh, yeah, I think we have to hold it with an open hand. Uh, but there's certainly no reason to, to rule it completely, completely out of hand and say, no, there's no way that that's possible. He's just a really gracious and generous God. Uh, I think at bedrock, what we can say is, we can take to bank the promise that there will be no sadness in heaven. And so however he accomplishes that, we can, we can trust it'll be good. Mm -hmm. You know, I thought you were going to say that. <laughs> and yet, even still, I do feel better. Um, I do feel better. Um, I think that uh, even just the way you articulated that last point, I think relying on the nature and character of the God of the Bible, seeing the overwhelming grace he shows again and again and again. I mean, that's the story of the Bible. Uh, so yeah, I, I think you've redirected me uh, to at least appeal to that, to, to rest in that. Um, and, and that makes me feel a little better. Um, maybe that is a good answer for our, for our kids in that moment or for ourselves in those moments uh, when we don't have a good answer to just fall on the character of God. And maybe that's what uh, my little six-year-old needs is, let's mm. talk about who who God is. Let's talk about how gracious he is and generous he is and excessive in his abundantness and love for you. Um, I, I do think that actually seems to be the answer at the end of the book of Job. Job wants yeah. an answer. Yeah. God does not give him the specific answer to his question that he wants and that I want when I read the book of Job. But it is almost as if by the time you get to the end of Job, God's, God's point seems to be, don't you know me? Is it yeah. enough to have me? And then Job somehow I think in the, by the end does get that. I, I, don't have a, I don't have a reason or an answer, but I have a relationship with a really generous God. Yeah. And that's just, that's kind of cool. Um, any last word? Yeah, maybe, maybe a final word would just be to summarize all of this. I think it's, I think this teaching or this, these ideas can reaffirm like our appreciation even of animals now. Like, do, do, do you have a theological category for viewing dogs and animals in general as the created like, world, they yeah, God's creation. They reflect yeah. the creative power of God. He made them on purpose to, uh, for a number of reasons, to reflect his glory, his creative power, but also their gifts. They're gifts to us. They are gifts from God to steward well, to take care of. You know, we have a responsibility to them to be, uh, to, to care for them well. And they're gifts for Christians to enjoy. Like these relationships with animals are not just sort of a non-spiritual, irrelevant thing. It's like the he gave these to us to enjoy and uh, we can trace, we can trace those gifts up to the gift giver uh, anytime and, and praise him for those as well. And so, um, and if that's true now we can assume these things will be true in eternity as well. I, that's actually a great perspective, even on like 
the creation in the form of like the food that we eat yeah, and the sunset absolutely. we experience. Uh, and so, okay, you've taken me all the way up to now I'm in a great mood. So um, <laughs> that's really helpful. Um, I, I think that gives us just stuff to think about, gratitude to express, even in some of the things that we may take for granted, um, that next great meal uh, or the next time your little dog looks at you and uh, you pet it and you feel that little connection and it makes you feel happy. Uh, Maybe run that up to the to the giver of all those good gifts, and uh, maybe we'll be that kind of a people, at least if you're a Jesus follower, listen to this. So um, with that in mind, uh, you can always send us your questions in to uh, OO Curiosity, and uh, we'll, we'll, we, we gladly take any suggestions, and uh, we hope this has been uh, rewarding, we might say. And as always, thanks for listening to Out of Curiosity. Thank you for listening to this episode of Out of Curiosity. If you found it helpful, please consider leaving us a review and sharing it with a friend. To suggest a topic, reach out to us on Instagram at OO Curiosity. We'll see you next time.